Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on this Happy Startup School webinar. I'm Carlos, one of the co-founders of the Happy Startup School, and today I'm joined by the other co-founder, Lawrence McCarhill, and also by the co-founder of Echo, Sebastian Castro. Uh, unfortunately, Seb's co-founder, Javi, couldn't make it as he's currently flying over the Atlantic to get back to Seb in Costa Rica. Um, Today, I'll be acting as your host for the call uh, and to make sure that we're sticking in schedule and time and uh, all the stuff works together. Uh, but before I ask the other guys to introduce themselves, I just wanted to uh, run through a couple of things to get so you can get the most out of this webinar. Uh, you've all committed to spending the next 45 minutes or so with us, and so I'm going to try and make sure this experience is uh, fun, enjoyable, and interactive. Uh, so firstly, it would be really good to actually get to know a bit more about you guys and where you're all from. So uh, we've got this uh, quick little poll here. Uh, yeah, if you could just answer the questions, should we take you 10 seconds to just uh, go through those while I talk, or talk you through the rest of the housekeeping stuff. So um, secondly, I uh, just wanted to draw your attention to there's a chat facility at the bottom of your Zoom window. So if you're not familiar with Zoom, there's a little button that says chat. Um, click on that. Uh, for the more sociable of you out there, I'd be happy to get more personalized introduction to yourself. So your name, where you are specifically, so maybe the city you're in, how you're feeling, happy, excited, um, <laughs> bored, waiting, uh, or anything else that springs to mind, that'd be awesome. And thirdly, there is a Q&A section on the button on the Zoom platform. Um, rather than us stop and start and ask answer questions along the way, if anything comes up and you have a question to ask, type it into the Q&A um, uh, chat facility. Uh, and then at the end, we're gonna try and get through as many of the questions as possible. And so we can just keep a bit of momentum and flow. And so, um, let's see, let's, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna end this poll now. If you haven't done anything, that's cool. Let's see what we've got here. Um, we have a lot of people from Europe, excellent. Nice bunch of people from uh, North America, Central America. Uh, so in terms of the things that, that, that interest you, some of you are interested in running your own transformational events. Great, actually the majority of you are interested in that. So you're gonna have a lot of value here. And as well, at the end of this webinar, you're gonna get an email with a download with kind of, a, kind of our little crib sheet of how that works. Uh, and a lot of you are also interested in like, what is this new way of gathering? How, how is this going to manifest itself? And we've got some ideas on that. Right. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to hand you over to my friend and co-founder Lawrence to kind of talk about who he is. Hi, everyone. Um, as Carlos said, I'm Lawrence. I'm his co-founder, old school friend for many years. Um, and yeah, in terms of what I do at Happy Startup School, I'm really in charge of the experiences and programs we run, um, mainly in the real world. So we do online programs and we do offline. And so I'm in charge more of the um, real world events, let's call them, that we do. Um, but my background's in design. So many of you may know we ran an agency before, a digital agency. So I've, I suppose, transitioned from designing online products and platforms to designing offline, off-grid even experiences. And so Part of our interest in doing this is just to explore different ways of doing business, different ways of working. And one of those things is actually not just the way we work, but how we work in terms of how we get better ideas, how we um, connect as people and how we um, 
get inspired. And so we've been on this journey the last four and a half years to explore what does that look like when you break out of the conventions of traditional ways of doing business and actually explore um, more meaningful and more human ways of connecting as people. And so that's led us on this journey. And a week ago, we were with the man on my right or left, depending on where he's <laughs> on my street, um, his hometown, as well as um, beautiful country, Costa Rica. Go for it, Seb. Who are you? <laughs> Open question. I could speak for hours, but I'm going to keep it to a minute or so. My background um, is essentially just starting things that um, made me tick. I have always been very passionate and very purpose-driven, just kind of been willing to assume more risk than the average person, I would say. I have worked uh, on many, many jobs and many trades. I was a reporter for CNN. I have done web, web shows, web TV shows. I have done uh, events of all sorts. And most recently, I am the founder of Echo, which is my baby and passion project, which is this, uh, for so far, it's, it's a community that gathers once a year, uh, more frequently starting now, uh, for four days in the Costa Rican jungle, we bring leaders from all over the world. And I know we'll get into that a little bit more into detail. So uh, it, it, it is described as, as a transformational event. And I say that very modestly because people, people do experience that. And ultimately the reason I do that is because I love seeing people experience the things that I love. It's like, re-experiencing them for the first time so when i facilitate that experience you know I, I have this incredible need for contribution that becomes satisfied and that is kind of what ultimately made me start echo just having a transformational experience with the people who have already transformed my life in one way or another brilliant thanks a lot for that Seb. Uh, so yeah for those of you who don't know me i'm carlos again like i said before one of the co-founders Happy Startup School. Before the Happy Startup School, Lawrence and I ran this digital agency. But I do remember going to many conferences and events, particularly with other kind of big wigs in the digital agency world. And the kind of conversations there just bored the hell out of us. It's all about swapping business cards. You never really got to know people very well. And you always made to feel a bit inadequate and small, especially when you're talking to someone and they're looking over your shoulder. Is there anyone more interesting I can talk to in the room? And so for me, being part of the Happy Startup School and the summer camp has just opened this door to a new way of doing business and a new way of talking to people. But I, the, I don't want to spoil it for Lawrence because Lawrence is going to tell you more about <laughs> our signature event, Summer Camp, and, and what it's about, really. <clears throat> I think you've stolen my thunder, thanks. <laughs> That's what friends are for, right? Um, so Summer Camp really came about, um, so we did the first one in 2013. Um, I think like you said, we, because we come from a, a design and tech background, we've been through, we've been to a lot of events, which, um, you know, people were talking about interesting things, but they were, they were doing it in the same way. So, you know, all the events we were going to were like generally held in quite dry conference centers. You know, if you want to grab a conversation with someone, it would be like five minutes over a really bad coffee um often windowless uninspiring environments and that for us you know it might be interesting for hearing talks but it's not great for building connections between people and so like you said you're rushing around trying to grab um, business cards and then you wake up the next day with a hangover and not really feeling like you've made much impact or accelerated your ideas in any way other than having a day out um 
but in me personally, I've enjoyed going to festivals. I like music, I like food, I like you know, travel, I like adventure, I like well-being, and all of those things we thought could be encompassed in an event which actually, yes, talked about the things we're interested in, like business and, um, and growth and uh, design and creativity and all those things, but in a way that feels more rich and more uh, meaningful than just you know, a day in a city in a sort of dry conference center. So I think uh, it was a natural need from the, some of the small events we did. We did a one-day event in London, which was really uh, powerful, but the thing at the end was no one wanted to go home. So people were having food and drink afterwards and people just wanted to stick around. So there was almost a pull from the community to want to, to spend time away from the city and not in these kind of confined environments. And yeah, we weren't, me and Carlos weren't natural business people who enjoyed the kind of traditional corporate look and, you know, being much more formal. We always brought our full selves to work. We were friends. We had same, similar values about what we thought was important. So we thought, well, why is business very sort of um, robotic and inhumane? On the other hand, all the things we enjoy are, you know, where we can just be ourselves. So how can we bring those two things together and ultimately, you know, stop doing business and start being a bit more human? And that's really how Summer Camp came about. Brilliant. Thanks. And uh, in terms of the types of people that come, um, who is it that seems to be attracted to our, to our event? I think, as you know, really quite a mix. Um, so at first we thought that was a bit of a negative, that it was so diverse, but actually, um, well, partly going to Echo and being reassured that they have a similar diverse audience, but also really understanding that the strength is in the diversity. The common link between people is, I think, the mindset. People are really coming into, into it with an open mind of wanting to learn, wanting to grow, and actually wanting to be, um, be themselves ultimately and, and be accepted for that and not having to put a guard up. Um, but I think also um, it's about getting out of our silos. So, you know, I've been to design conferences where all designers are talking about, you know, what should we call each other? Are we UX designers? Are we experienced designers? Are we, you know, um, interface designers? And no one outside the design world cares, you know, really. Um, I'm passionate about design, but I'm also passionate about lots of other things. Um, passionate about social entrepreneurship and technology and you know productivity, how we can work better, all these things. So I think the diversity of the people really is um, a benefit for everyone because you get such different ideas and inputs than you normally would. And so last year at Summer Camp, we had you know a big chunk of people are sort of early stage or budding entrepreneurs looking to launch new ideas. But then we've also got we had a whole section on reinventing education we had teachers and, and students we had coaches consultants um people working in organizational design entrepreneurs i don't think it matters really you know who you are you don't have to be a startup but it's more about the mindset of you know challenging convention wanting to work better and wanting to be more purposeful about how we live our lives brilliant cheers lawrence so seb tell us about echo well Echo is, is a way more tropical version of summer camp. Well, I mean, Echo was started because <clears throat> I had initially invited a bunch of friends from around the world that inspired me a lot to come visit me in Costa Rica. And the things that were born out of that gathering of people who didn't know each other with me as a common link was incredibly inspirational. So one of those people was Javi, my current co-founder, who wanted to make a big change in his life. You know, he wanted to change jobs. He was very much not very thrilled about a corporate life, which I completely respect who 
people who aren't and people who are, you know, it's just for some and not for others. And he decided to take this leap of faith with me. And we started Echo three years ago with the intention of offering a space that would not only facilitate a truthful connection with nature, a reconnection with nature, and in that space, have a reconnection with yourself. And we invite our participants over this four day period where they camp in the jungle, fancy camping, we call it glamping in this beautiful village that we create, to ask themselves the difficult questions, step out of their comfort zone, both physically, they don't have a choice there, but also emotionally. And they, what happens is that they undergo uh, this emotional journey into themselves because they're, for the first time, for most of them, they don't feel alone in this. They feel like they can actually share. We, we promote vulnerability as a strength rather than as a weakness, as it often is. Get people, because we have realized that when people become vulnerable, it is a shortcut to empathy. And when people have empathy, they can transcend their more obvious differences. So going back to what Lawrence was saying, and I second that, we also cater to people not from a specific demographic, and this is kind of counterintuitive from a startup or lean perspective, which is like, you know, find your target, your user persona. We don't have that, right? We have from babies to 70-year-old ladies who are actually just, well, maybe the babies aren't, but their parents <laughs> are undergoing or wanting to undergo a process of change, often radical change. People who are looking for the tools and the answers to these big questions that they have about their lives, about their jobs, about their decision-making processes. So I would say our average person as well has an entrepreneurial spirit, is probably like 35 years old. We have about 50% from Costa Rica, 50% from about 15 other nationalities. And we're hoping to evolve into a more, uh, a more frequent, a more frequently met community. And by the way, talking about sister communities, I'm wearing my Echo hat, my happy startup. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit of Echo. <laughs> Lovely, great. Now, so that's a nice kind of um, background to the both, both communities uh, and the both events. So we found we've both been to each other's events and we know what we've experienced them. So it'd be interesting to get from both of you your where seeing where the overlaps are and what is it you feel that's the commonality and maybe the differences. <clears throat> um, I might as well kick off. I think you highlighted one, you know, yours is in the jungle, ours is in the farm. So um, we, um, I think that the, the similarities, let's start with those, the similarities are, for me, the key thing is just the vibe of it, the, you know, the feeling. Um, it felt like being at home, going to another part of the world, and not just because we know Seb and his, his, uh, his friends, but just the welcoming atmosphere that you get at Echo. Um, I hope you get a summer camp, which is people are genuinely interested in you. And not because you're a speaker, just because you're a human being sat next to them at a dinner table or in a workshop or over coffee. So I think there's that thing which um, certainly we try to strive for when we put on our events is rather than walking into a, a room full of people and feeling lonely, walking into a room full of people and feeling at home. And, and uh, I think someone described it as 150 strangers you've not met yet. Um, uh, so I think it's... Um, that's the real obvious connection for me is like, it felt like a sister community on the other side of the world. Um, in terms of the differences other than the weather and the, the fact that we had tarantulas and scorpions on our, 
around our toes as opposed to uh, maybe the odd ant. <laughs> um, I would say, I mean, ours is held in the UK and I think we talked about this, Carlos, that I think the Brits in particular are known to be a bit more reserved. Um, I think there's also um, maybe it's something to do with the weather too, like often North European people in particular, we do get a lot of people coming from around the world, but the bulk of our audience is from Northern Europe. Um, people need a bit of warming up to do some activities. So like we both had an early morning uh, mindful rave and I think your one was, it hit the ground running at seven in the morning, which um, I think for the, you know, the Brits and the, the crowds, you know, we need a little bit more time or alcohol. <laughs> um, so that was one obvious thing. And um, yeah, Seb, I mean, you, you've, you know, echoes fresh in your memory and summer camp was what, six months ago? Yeah, I mean, definitely, I think there's a big similarity at a structural level at the way the event is designed. We both have a lot of, of workshops, really valuable workshops, and we both have a series of talks that we document and then we share onto the world. And we do have that element of, you know, entrepreneurial spirit. So um, while that is very similar at a structural level, I think the content varies a little bit, mm -hmm. where perhaps Echo is a little bit more geared towards like emotional intelligence, um, a bit perhaps more spirituality even, whereas Summer Camp has a little bit more of a business focus and more um, pragmatical tools for that purpose, for the development of business, while obviously including the personal development of the person in the process. Uh, I think we have a little bit less of a business approach and more of a personal approach. It's obviously subtle. And at the same time, I think the, the purpose is, is very aligned, maybe not, maybe not the same, but aligned in terms of, you know, showing people that there are other ways of communicating. There are other ways of connecting with other human beings that we can see past the obvious differences and that there's a lot of lessons to be learned from ourselves. Right. And, and maybe uh, another uh, difference, I think, is just, yeah, the, the cultural element of it, right? It's something that um, I, I love that we're different in that aspect, right? I loved experiencing how people with a more Northern European uh, culture approach these interactions versus the way Costa Ricans might. But I think it's, in the end, very complementary. And for me, it's been really inspiring to have you guys as some sort of you know, mentors to support us on this journey. You know, at the same time, we are in very different socioeconomic contexts. You know, we're in a developing country, so things run different in the background. Uh, but it, going to summer camp was definitely like, oh my God, we're on the right track. <laughs> yeah. oh, I think one, one thing that probably be of interest for people who are trying to create their own types of events is that starting point, that point when you actually did the first event how that felt and what it is you did to just make it happen and what gave you the energy or the 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 uh the skills or the tools to make it happen i don't know if anyone has something they can share about that maybe i can jump in there i think at the time we built we started echo it was a matter of a combination of timing and curiosity and obviously the right skills i think we, we really had no idea what we were doing. I had no experience in starting events. I had no experience in designing experiences. So there is no 
there isn't really like a, you know, the right CV to start this. It's more of, okay, purpose and then bringing the right team on board. And I would say that's the essence of what made it work was the right people and acknowledging where you lack, acknowledging where your strengths are to be able to fulfill those voids and, you know, bring people with production experience, bring people with a lot of logistical experience and just have a lot of clarity and don't be afraid to iterate that idea until you feel that you know this is the dream experience for me because if you are the person loving it the most then you will have as we call it that echo effect right a ripple effect that then gets you know transmitted to the team gets transmitted to the speakers and facilitators eventually gets transmitted to the participants and eventually to their outside communities right so it all starts with you if you're going to love it most likely people are as well cool i think yeah, i would just say no i was just going to say i suppose we did our apprenticeship more before we launched our first summer camp so maybe you're going to say that um while we were running the agency we we started to run some design events in london um, really small meetups which i think that's where we learned our uh, craft i suppose in running events and so we grew a small UX design meetup from like 20 people to like regularly getting 100, 150 people, um, which kind of grew out, outgrew its um, original idea. Really, I think we kind of lost a bit of passion for that event because we realised actually we love we love bringing people together, but like focusing just on design for startups wasn't our thing. We had much broader vision than that, but it did give us the confidence, I think, to then be able to put it out there and, and take that risk, like you said, Seb, of you know something you really believe in and having that leap of faith that, yeah, because we believe in it, there's got to be other people out there who, who feel the same way and <clears throat> feel equally um, maybe disillusioned with the current um, sort of events that are available. No, that's great. I think, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's uh, for, for a lot of people, it's quite intimidating to think, oh, how do I make a massive transformational event? How do I start on this journey? And like you said, we started very small, very simple events. But I think when what you were saying, Seb, the intention of the event behind, the intention behind it was much more important than what it was and how it was structured. It's like, why did you want to go there in the first place? And you're satisfying your own need for the event. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, in terms of kind of managing an event like this, what kind of uh, challenges have you faced and, and sort of, uh, and what things have you learned? Things that you could probably share with people well i think that the major obstacles for us have been one that i know we share is sales right it's 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 something that is difficult to explain and saying i'm building a transformational event sounds a little bit <laughs> egocentric right it's like how can you promise transformation and rather it is a, it is a bit of of leaving modesty aside and just connecting to that trust and being like the right people will be there for it to be transformational, regardless of what I do, right? It is ultimately the people that will determine the experience. So getting the right people there uh, is a challenge, right? Probably I could tap into, you know, a bunch of people with a lot of money that just do this regularly and are like, just, yeah, let's go to another event. But really, for me, this is a pretty unique event that I want to be extremely inclusive, right? So designing a system where you can incorporate the right people while, while keeping in mind, you know, a financial health is very challenging and some, 
that Lawrence and I discussed, which is often people who you know can attend, you know deserve to experience this, you know will be worth, you know, living this with a with an amazing community, and they say no. It's a, you feel like shaking them and like you know lovingly slap slapping them and just saying like just trust me and go. But you can't say that, right? So that's a big hurdle, I think. Another one is communication for sure. Um, not only at the you know from facebook outward the world you know marketing this type of thing is difficult um there's a lot of experimentation to seeing what works but above all intra-team communication getting people on board with the same values having people reflect those values live by those values and actually you know engage in those very difficult conversations that will arise in any partnership I think that for us has been the most challenging, uh, but I'm happy to say that you know we have faced it face on, and somehow or another we have managed to thrive from it. Yeah, and maybe just oh. to finish, the, the takeaways is that there is a non, you know, well at least for us we haven't found a very, you know, a super successful business model. We're we're striving for that still. But the non-monetary return on investment is the highest I have done in my life. I met my partner, Christine, there. I met my best friends there. I, have, I got a scholarship to study a master's because of it. I got to meet you guys because of So, you know, my life has been drastically influenced in a positive way, thanks to Echo. So that is one of the big takeaways is it is worth it if you can go past those hurdles so much. Oh, how are you, Lawrence? What's, what's, our, what's been our learning since the first, uh, or the, what, what we've been uh, iterating over in the, since the first mm -hmm. time, the challenges? Um, I mean, I'll echo, echo, I'll echo, pardon the pun, what um, <laughs> Seb said. Um, I think one of the key things is it's always more work than you think. So any event, you know, and even when you've done it before, we think, oh, it's going to be so much easier this year because we've done it three times. Um, I think you, you want it to be better each time and you want to improve the things that you saw that maybe other people didn't see. So you're always striving for perfection, whatever that is. But also, um, I think you're always trying to change a few things to make it, shake it up a little bit for people that have been before. So I think never underestimating how much time you need to put on a really you know, great experience. Uh, because the details are what makes it and i think those details um as we know when we were running the agency you know we often said to clients even for any sort of product or service the the sort of final 20 percent you know it takes as long as the first 80 percent you know because you need time to focus on those details and get those right so um yeah i think if you want it to be great you want it to be by design and that design takes time so getting the right people on board you know the first year we did it we had such a small team uh, myself and Fiona did the, the bulk of the work and you know looking back I don't know how we pulled through it um, I wouldn't say I enjoyed the weekend I loved the the impact it had but I wouldn't say as an experience or as a um, a time I, I enjoyed it because I just felt like we were sort of yeah I wouldn't even say like we were a swan sort of you know calm on the surface and sort of scrambling underneath we were just scrambling all over um, <laughs> so the last couple of years have been much more enjoyable because we had the right team in place and we knew you know the unknowns that we didn't know the first year so um yeah just creating great a great crew together i think once you've got the right team then you know everything becomes a whole lot easier 
Um, cool. and, and the other quick thing was just what Seb said, you know, getting people to invest in themselves, a chunk of money that they would probably spend on anything but that, you know, they'll go and buy a thousand pound, you know, TV they don't need or go on some training day that seems like valuable, like value, but they won't spend, you know, a bit of money on an experience that will transform themselves beyond anything that other, you know, other events would do. So yeah, that education piece is still, is still there. No, that's great. I think um, to kind of uh, just repeat one of the things, the threads the, that came from those, what you both said is the non-monetary benefit from this thing. I think a lot of the time you think of a training or going to a conference as to what kind of business am I going to build or how's that going to benefit my business? But what we've seen from both of the events, I think, is just the friends you make and the connections you make and then what that leads to in terms of the path uh, is, is quite astonishing. And from our experiences, led us halfway across the world to Costa Rica, to India, to the Alps. That would have never happened if we have, hadn't created that event. I think the other element I think both of you might be able to have something to, to talk about is when you talk about the team, specifically about not having to doing, be doing the day-to-day -day stuff during the event so that you can be part of it. Uh, and it'd be interesting to see how you guys managed to make that happen so you weren't running around like a headless chicken on the day. <clears throat> yeah, I think obviously the first year there's a big learning curve. Um, we definitely had a similar experience to you guys where we just, you know, were neck deep and we weren't sure what we were doing, but we were sure about why we were doing it. And that gave us a sense of resilience, right, in the face of challenges that arose, uh, you know, by, by the thousands. <laughs> and for me, maybe. Well, it's all about design, right? So it's about pre-conceived effective prototyping, understanding what requirements you will have pre-production, during the production, and even post-production, right? So when it comes to the team in that design, how we approach it is obviously that we have the founders which who take a bulk and a, the biggest bulk of the responsibilities ahead of the event and design a really effective delegation system to one incredibly trusted head producer, somebody who can act as an umbrella to the team of volunteers, providers, you know, cooks, uh, all sorts of, you know, what qualities on the team. And that person will run the show, not you. If you're running the show, you will be running the show and not hosting the experience, which is what you should be doing. If you don't enjoy it, if you don't thrive during the event, it's going to be very difficult for others to thrive because you're essentially the seed, right? And it's going to, uh, it's going to reduce the ripple effects that it can have. While is, if you are part of it, if you're, you know, for me, I'm always like, super overwhelmed in a good way, just crying all around, then people feel comfortable crying. You know? And that is a simple example of how my involvement affects other participants and just makes it worthwhile for me, right? It's like having a party and then spending the whole party, you know, solving shit. That's not what you want. You want to enjoy the party and dance, right? So that is absolutely essential to plan ahead in terms of the team, maybe in terms of the design itself, just to complement that. Uh, there's a triangle that I, that, that I usually recommend, and this is more of a practical advice. It is 
making sure your team understands that the the reason this event will be transformational is because it will have an intellectual element you will be addressing the mind it will have a creative element you will inhibit the hands to create things while there and it will have an emotional element to it when those three when the heart the mind and the heart and, and the hands are working in sync and people feel this sense of opportunity cool excellent yeah. thanks for that lawrence yeah. do you have anything else to add um i think yeah the same really i mean like we we've got a great producer now who manages the whole weekend um i felt the same before that you know we put these things on as much for ourselves as anything else and it's how we show up so if we can be present and enjoy it and and be calm i think as we set the tone it's a bit like if you've ever been to a wedding where the bride and groom are running around like headless chickens you know um versus one where they're the last ones on the dance floor you know it sets the tone for the for the for the experience so you know you look at them for like what's the kind of what's the culture around here what, what you know how do, how do people show up around here so um so i think yeah it's a shame to put something on and not be able to enjoy it so yeah we do these as much for ourselves as anyone else brilliant I, I remember you two dancing your asses off with beer in hand. So I, yeah. I, I'm a witness of that. That wasn't us. That wasn't that was, that was my work brother. <laughs> Great. Um, so are you guys happy to now dive into questions? We've got like 10 questions here and then we'll wrap up with what's next for, for both communities. Perfect. Yeah. yeah? Sure. So um, I'll start from the top to begin with and we'll just go in, in chronological order. We'll start with Fernando. Fernando, um, he actually, and maybe you've answered this, but one of the questions he asked is, what is the balance between business and personal development in your gatherings? Um, mm. I think you touched on that yourself, Seb, but Lawrence, do you want to maybe tackle that for us? Um, we try to get a balance. I mean, I wouldn't say, I would say 50-50. I mean, there's, if we lean too, too far one way, then you know, there's, there's an imbalance, put it that way. So people, they want a mix of um, learning about themselves versus learning practical tools and techniques for, um, and I wouldn't say just business, I would say launching ideas and not just limiting it to someone starting a company. Um, people often have this misconception that it needs to be a startup. You know, it can be a project, a passion project. It could be an idea within a business. It can be, um, you know, a new way of working. It's more like an initiative, let's call it. So ways to launch ideas initiatives um and ways that people can help help grow interest and grow um the impact of those things is important so i would say yeah we try to get a balance of the two interestingly though um if we run more traditional business sessions and there's a interesting personal development session running at the same time those will always get more people so <laughs> people tend to think that they want to learn about business but actually what they want to do is learn about themselves so i remember one year we ran a design workshop which before the event people said was the number one thing they wanted to go to and we also ran that at the same time as a deathbed meditation and i think we had like 80 people at the deathbed meditation and like 20 at the design one so i think you know people never, never trust what people say is what i'll say <laughs> great thanks for that excellent um so and we if have... i squeal by the way it's just because i've got a puppy biting my hand <laughs> show the puppy you know you have to show the puppy <laughs> um, the next question we've got is from 
uh, Khaled, he says, do you think there's a, it's a better to try and keep the same team over the years so they can bring their experience to the following one, to the following one, or looking for new and fresh minds each time? I can tackle that one because I also know Khaled, um, which is amazing that he's here. He was one of the most inspirational people at our first year, for sure. The one that kind of broke me apart when we had the conversation at Sunset. I'll never forget it. I would say to Khaled that if you get the right team on the right on the first try, I would say keep it. It's There's nothing harder than getting the right team. We have been lucky enough to, to that head producer has been the same one for three years the rest have changed here and there we feel that it is not until this year that we found the perfect team kind of if such a thing exists um, it is also a matter of not so much understanding what the perfect team is but rather understanding what skills you need and who will take over which roles very clearly ahead of starting and being extremely assertive in communicating those roles and having hopefully a measurement system that will determine the quality of the output basically just yes if you get them right on the first try and you will know keep them if not change them and learn from what you did wrong with them or what they did wrong or what you did wrong <laughs> Brilliant. Which okay. is often the case. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for that. Did, was there anything you wanted to say on that, Lawrence? Or no, I think so. Covered most of it. Brilliant. So we got a question here from Tim Shepherd. He says, uh, "Do you use any of the transformational collaborative meeting models that others have established well, like open space or on conference, appreciative inquiry, or are you trying to invent from scratch?" Uh, I'll have a bash at this. I mean, I would say in our retreats, so the retreats we run are smaller. We tend to have 25 people for a week. Um, so we have much more time for more emergent sessions. We don't bring in speakers. We don't set the agenda for the week. We just um, leave lots of space. So we, we do do on conferences and use open space techniques within that. Um, at summer camp, because it's a bigger audience and um, because it's only over three days, uh, we, I mean, we tried to weave in elements of some of that stuff. I mean, last year we had a open space session, which was the first time we ran that. I'm not sure if we'll do that again. It got, you know, some people loved it. Some people weren't feeling it so much. I think um, it's really difficult to get that balance because a lot of time people come for, you know, keynote speakers and workshops that they're going to see. When you've got an open space or on conference, you're not quite sure of what you're actually going to learn before you, before you go. So I think those sort of kind of things are useful, I think they just need to be used um, carefully when people are expected to be entertained almost. So it's just getting that balance right. Cool. For me, it's uh, like, very quickly, it's like, okay, Steal Like an Artist, that's a great book. It's just yeah. take the things you love from other experiences and adapt them, especially to the space in which you're gonna develop your event. That is essential that the space is part of the experience you know you guys did that great you know it's in the in a farm and you feel like you're in a farm and you're interacting with it as well as us right so it's determine the space in which we're going to do it and adapt things that you love and just kind of mix them all in one pot and try to make sense of it brilliant thank you very much 
Yeah, That's I think there's one thing just to highlight is um, a couple of people have asked about, uh, not in the questions, just in the comments about, you know, creating better meetings. I know we're going to share a download afterwards, but I think what Seb says is just so key to that is like, if there's one thing you can take away from this call is Echo wouldn't work if it wasn't where it is in Costa Rica, if it was in San Jose in the city and Summer Camp wouldn't work, you know, in London. Um, but at the same time, if you're doing a meeting, you can go to a park, you can go to the beach, you can, you know, we do workshops in the woods. The environment in which you set these things in it is probably the number one thing, as well as the people who come, uh, the success of them. So, yeah, I would just highlight that. Cool. Okay. Um, we're going to have another maybe two, two questions, three questions, depending how quickly you can get through them. Uh, Catherine here has asked, given the diversity of attendees, how do you hold space for different needs during this time-bound transformative experience? Um, so I assume there's lots of different people who've got different expectations. Um, how do you make that happen for them all? How do, they, how do you satisfy all those needs? Um, I can take it. Yeah. Um, well, I would say, you know, people, while being extremely different, will find that have a common, often have a common purpose to being there. That results in having similar needs. Um, and we all share the same needs, right? As human beings. So which ones are most unmet at the time are often synchronical in spite of the demographic differences of the people who attend. You know, this lady who's going through a divorce period at 49 years old, might be having surprisingly similar questions to herself as a 26-year-old entrepreneur. So it is in those meaning points that in spite of differences, people find very deep commonalities. And obviously, it's also a matter of offering uh, workshops and talks that cater to those different audiences, right? Cool. Awesome. Yeah, I do say, say the same as Seb. Um, I think in, in smaller groups, you can really get deeper into those um, needs of different people and understanding why they're there. And so that's why I think we both have sort of breakout sessions where you can have those conversations without it just being in one big group. Cool. Okay. Um, so we have a question here from Chanmi. She asks, how do you keep the events fresh for yourself as well as people who have already been to them previously? if you're planning to do them more regularly? I think it goes back to what Seb said earlier, really, like, what would you love to see? So, you know, I um, bring in a lot of the people who talk and contribute to Summer Camp, and, you know, we agree as a team what the final sort of schedule is, but I think it's just finding stories, um, activities and sessions that just sound a bit different and that aren't, for us, the sort of thing you would see anywhere else. Um, because I think those stories are things that people will share afterwards. So, you know, ha having a deathbed meditation, or last year we had um, a lazy guru session where you discover your inner lazy guru. You know, these aren't the kind of things you'd see in a traditional business event. So those kind of things get us excited and we think, wow, you know, it's just, it's gonna get people excited too if, if we've got the energy for it. So that's, I suppose, the number one thing is trying to find new and interesting people to bring in to run sessions this year we've got like a Japanese sword fighting session with the guy Dirk who came last year, um, as well as a cider making farm within a farm. So, you know, it's crazy, it's a bit silly, but it's gonna be fun. Cool. Seb, 
Mate, uh, you got it. <laughs> different, different people will mean a very different experience. People make places, people make experiences. It's that simple. And it's always new. There's always something new to learn. And I enjoy it more every year, actually. Cool. Yeah. All right. So um, actually, quick, quickly on Chandy's question about is it always new? Is it for new people? We, we get a chunk of people who've been to summer camp before. And for them, it's like a, an annual gathering, you know. So it's, they're, they're less coming to learn how to launch a startup. They're coming just to hang out with people that they love spending time with and having a bit of space around that. So um, thanks. <laughs> I think he's telling me to shut up. <laughs> so I think two more questions. We've got this one here, which is quite interesting. It says, uh, do you have a map of all the connections between attendees and how it unfolds after the gathering? Uh, this is from Fernando, who's curious about this. And I think we tried something one time at summer camp. It'd be interesting to know, well, from Seb, if you've had any experience of trying to do this. Yeah, I mean, for us, it's one of the biggest challenges, to be honest. And it's also one of our biggest fuck-ups, I would say. <laughs> Uh, in parallel we we really try it's not easy people don't have the habit of communicating to the experience on which they met what they're doing so it's a matter of developing those channels and really really trying to consistently remind people that we want to know what they're up to uh, we haven't developed the the technological uh, basis for that to happen effectively yet yet without a doubt it is one of the most important things we keep it we keep track of it very manually uh very organically but hopefully one day we will have that systematized and without a doubt if you can achieve that well let me know first of all and yeah definitely worth worth trying because it, it there's nothing more rewarding than seeing things be born out of create out of relationships that we were created during the event Awesome. Yeah, all I would say is we, we, we thought we needed to map it out and A, we haven't got the time or the energy for that, but I think B, what we do get uh, at the Happy Startup School, maybe because we've got a physical space and we've got um, people can come visit us, um, people tend to feed back to our stories. So, you know, whether it's through email or face to face. So, you know, without us asking, they'll say, oh, you know, I've just been to so-and-so's place in Copenhagen or we've just collaborated on this project. In another country so we we don't hear them all but we we don't capture it but we certainly hear those those stories which i think helps to make us realize that there's there's value there well, i think another thing to add is um what we've tried to do is to maintain those connections through technology using uh online platforms and we have a we with the moment we're using something called slack to to create have those conversations and also we try to use facebook as well to continue those conversation connections what we've also found even with our retreats whatsapp has been an amazing tool for just keeping people in touch and connected and keeping us up to date with what's, go what's going on and seeing collaborations happen over there i think it's it, it's interesting that i don't think you can necessarily control that but it's using social media is a good way to keep visibility of what's going on and having continuous conversations seems to be one of the things. Um, one quick thing to add on that is not seeing those things as like competing for your attention. So trying to get that balance of um, using technology as a, as a means to an end to be able to connect in the real world, not to replace it. So that's one thing we're always battling with is we don't want, you know, success for us isn't people spending more time on Facebook. Um, it's them spending less time on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay. I think um, we'll 
try and answer, if we can, we might answer these questions uh, virtually later because uh, we, we don't have time necessarily to go through all of them. What would be nice is to actually just finish off to let you know kind of what's next for both the summer camp and for Seb and um, what he's doing with Echo. Um, so, Lawrence, would you like to just tell people a bit more about what's happening with us? Yeah, so summer camp's happening. This is our fifth year this year. Um, we were excited to be chosen as one of the top 10 business events in Europe by The Guardian last year. So hence we've had a lot of interest this year. Um, we're not far off selling out. We, we've had a load of people apply from around the world again. Um, I think at last look, there was less than 20 spaces left. Um, so we're focused on summer camp in September. And then someone was asking actually about an event in America. We're doing our first US retreat in October in Oregon. Um, which is called Altitude, altitude.de um, is the web address. Um, but yeah, summer camps are focused for now. Um, we've got some familiar faces and lots of new ones too. So we've got um, Oli Kastow is coming over from Denmark, who's an amazing guy who actually spoke at our first camp four years ago, who launched a thing called Cycling Without Age, which is a amazing initiative which started in Denmark, which basically takes old people out of care homes and brings them out to the city on these Christiania bikes, these kind of rickshaw bikes, and they get a glass of wine and the wind in their hair and they get to share stories with, about life with the um, cyclists. And now they've got like a thousand bikes and 8,000 cyclists all around the world in hundreds uh, cities who've launched um, Cycling Without Ages. So yeah, he's an inspiring guy who's going to share his story and do a workshop too. So those are the kind of people that we get to some account, as well as smaller, more unknown people who've equally got amazing stories to tell. Like me. Hey. Like Seb, and Seb's going to join us. Um, Seb and Christine are going to join us again. We're actually having a um, a bit of a kind of gathering the day before summer camp starts for members of the Happy Startup School and some speakers. So um, if you go to thehappystartupschool.com, you can read about membership. But yeah, there's going to be about 30, 40 people there a day earlier. Um, I think Seb's going to do a workshop on empathic storytelling, which he ran at Echo, which is an amazing session that I've been to that was really um, impactful. And just a chance to connect with other people before the craziness starts. And I know we're going to send out more info via email afterwards to everyone, as well as a bit of a download too. Cool. Awesome. Seb, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm doing a lot of things. But um, the one I really want to emphasize is an experience we are building for the first time, but we are very confident that we will nail it. Um, Echo is partnering with Wondermore, which is a company that Christine and I started, um, and essentially creating this uh, Echo Journeys, which is rather than necessarily in Costa Rica where we're based, we're actually going out to venture into the world. Uh, we do what our slogan is, inner journeys outside. So we will have a five-day experience in the Italian Alps. Not just in the Italian Alps, but in a medieval castle in the Italian Alps. So it's called the Call of the Inner Child, and it'll be an experience designed to help you reconnect with that long-lost inner child that is there just screaming to be heard there will be a lot of fun there will be workshops around nonviolent communication there will be a lot of storytelling around the fire there will be live music there will be a building of huts in the forest and 
like I said, we will be sleeping and experiencing a medieval castle. So it'll be quite a beautiful experience. It'll actually be a sort of decompression from the summer camp. So if any of you out there are actually going to the summer camp and know that you can have the blues when you come back to London or when you come back to the city and know that people aren't as nice anymore, well, we, we're actually flying straight off Gatwick to Verona and then taking a private transport to this amazing castle. So uh, actually, for those of you interested in joining, we're giving a promotion of 100 pounds off in your application um, because you were at the webinar. It's just a matter of mentioning it. When you go to wondermore.org and just click on apply to Call of the Inner Child, there will be amazing people from all over the world and you will get to thrive uh, without internet for a change. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you very much, Seb. So yes, you uh, as a thank you for spending this time with us and watching this webinar and hopefully getting value from the learning that you got from Lawrence and Seb. Um, we'd like to, well, Seb's offering £100 off his, uh, his Wonder More trip straight after summer camp. And summer camp is from the 15th to the 17th of September. We'd also, if you use the offer code GATHER, G-A-T-H-E-R, and you purchase a ticket within over this weekend, within the next three days, you can also get £100 off of summer camp. So essentially, if you want to do both trips, £200 off both of, both transformational experience, transformational squared. So <laughs> um, you'll also get an email with, uh, we put it a little pack, so R, just like a little synthesis of what we think makes a transformational event, that's gonna be emailed you, to you as a PDF uh, tomorrow, and we'll also have some inform more information as well in there about the events that we're running and Seb's running. So uh, any parting words, guys, for these uh, uh, lovely people who joined us? You wanna go first, Lawrence? Okay. Um, well, it's a nice day here in the UK. We've had a nice spell of sunny weather. Um, all I would say is, if you're looking to run an event or create any sort of gathering, whether it's a small meeting with a handful of people, <clears throat> or even you're trying to get new ideas or better ideas yourself, just, just head outdoors into nature because you know, we always find that that gets amazing results. And so, um, yeah, I think that would be my one takeaway is try to get out of the building if you want to get better results. Brilliant. Thank you. Well, for me, I want to make um, an offer as well. We're actually developing a consulting branch of Echo to help other people launch their own experiences. So if you're interested in actually receiving some coaching and into the more specifics in terms of, you know, everything from who to invite, how to sell, to how to build a freaking spreadsheet, we can help you with that. So you can contact me in the information that will be provided tomorrow. But just really thank you guys, Lawrence and Carlos, you know, having you guys as speakers at Echo felt like this Beautiful cycle that was coming to an end. I'm so excited to go to summer camp. I'm so excited to continue the conversation with you and with hopefully some of the people that are on the chat. So thank you for your attention. I always say that's the biggest gift we receive. So I truly appreciate uh, you for listening and I hope this was worth your time. Thanks a lot, Seb. That's Thanks, well, Seb. well said. Um, if you have any questions, if you missed anything, um, there is a recording of this. Again, that'll come out in the email. But if you do have any questions, just email me, carlos at happystartups.co, and I can try and answer any of those questions or send you any more information that way 
if you want Seb's address, if you want to get in touch with Lawrence, send me an email. So like again, uh, thank you, Lawrence. Thank you, Seb. Thank you all for attending the webinar and uh, hope to see you maybe at summer camp or Wondermore. And hope to see your transformational events as well. Bye-bye. <laughs>